Deuteronomy 5, 12 through 16. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God commanded you, that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. The word of God for the people of God. Read the new, read the new city catechism question number 10 with me. What does God require in the fourth and fifth commandments? Fourth, that on the Sabbath day we spend time in public and private worship of God, rest from routine employment, serve the Lord and others, and so anticipate the eternal Sabbath. Fifth, that we love and honor our father and our mother, submitting to their godly discipline and direction. If you have your Bibles, just open them up to, to Deuteronomy 5. Uh, read that again for us, if that's all right with you guys in just a moment. Um, but uh, yeah, thank you for having me. I'm um, sure y'all are missing Bobby, and I hope you've been praying for him. And then uh, I think Rebecca might have mentioned that uh, John Duncan also went to that conference with him, so we've been praying for, for all of them that, that went there. And, um, pray it's been a blessing. Uh, I haven't been here since y'all started uh, live worship. We've had a, a band up here. Um, last time I was here, it was, it was uh, worship on the screens, and, and that was great. I enjoyed that, but it's uh, quite a bit different than having uh, um, instrumentalists and vocalists up on stage, and that was a blessing to me. Thank you for, for leading us in worship this morning. Um, so Deuteronomy 5, 12 through 16. 
uh, Keely, Keely read it really well, but I'm just going to read it again because I want to. Um, <clears throat> Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out with a mighty and a hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Honor your father and your mother, as the Lord your God commanded you, that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that, your Lord, that the Lord your God is giving you. A few weeks ago, um, I believe, if I'm correct, you all stated um, what the law of God was in the Ten Commandments, right? I think that was question eight. Um, and now, last week, and continuing this week, we're learning what the commands require of us, right? And that's taking those two or three at a time, depending on what the catechism has done, and, and learning what they require of us. And I'm learning, and I hope you are as well, that those are quite a bit different, right? It's uh, one thing to state the commands. Maybe may, maybe Kathy and, and Children's Church is teaching them. I, I've seen them do it with, like, their fingers, right? Every command has a different um, motion to it. Um, Kristen, when I was practicing this yesterday, sang a great song. You want to come, come sing that song? Oh, okay. Um, <clears throat> uh, but we all, we all have stated the commands, but stating them is one thing, and then knowing what they require and doing that is, is a completely other thing. Um, I think both are necessary, right? Both are good. Um, and I think if you view them solely as, as oh, just what they're stated, I think you, I, I like this analogy. I was told, it was told to me in a, at ACU, taking Bible classes there. Um, it's kind of like the commands are a, a perimeter fence, a boundary around the perimeter of our life. If we know what they're stated, then they're, they're a boundary over the life. A good, good thing. We all need boundaries in our life, especially if they come from God. But in our fallen nature, our depraved selves, what, what happens with that boundary fence in us? See how close we can get to it, right, without going over. Oh, we're still, still good. We're still keeping the commands, right? Um, <clears throat> I think that's what that leads to. But knowing what they require, I think, is, is a little bit different. And that's kind of viewing the commands as a target. target. And we're asking the question, what do I need to do to get as close to that target as I can? That's a much better question, a place where I want to spend more of my time than as close to the edge while still being okay, right? Does that make sense to, to you guys? Yeah? And so that's, that's what we're going to be talking about um, this morning. What, what we talked about a little bit last week is, is in the fourth and fifth command, how close can I get to the center of that target? Um, so that's what we're going to be answering. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to get into the fourth and fifth commandments and what they require. Father God, thank you for this morning. Um, thank you, God, for the people that uh, you've gathered here this morning. Um, and uh, uh, thank you for this, this word, that you've, your word that you've given us. I pray, God, that you would use me to, to communicate it clearly, um, to proclaim the gospel boldly, and um, that, that your name would be made, made much of through, through regret reading and studying your word this morning. God, we love you. Thank you for loving us first. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Leviticus 19.3 is where uh, um, Timothy Keller takes us. Um, for in the New City Catechism, that's the, the, the scripture that, that he gives for, for this, this question 10. Um, and it says, Leviticus 19.3, each of you is to respect his mother and his father. You are to keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord, your God. But he could have used Exodus 20, 8 through 12, mentions it. Deuteronomy 5, 12 through 16, as we just saw. Mark 2, Luke 12, 
23:56, Hebrews 4, and that's just a few of the places that mention one or both of these commands. Why does he why does he take us to Leviticus 19:3? What's the reason there? Where does Leviticus 19 fit in the context of the story? We're going to answer that question. But before we do, I want to um, hopefully convince you that it's important to keep the Sabbath. Uh, that's where we're going to start out. <clears throat> um, and so Kevin DeYoung argues that Jews um, who were given the command and Jews who lived under the command um, would have said that the Sabbath command is the most important command. And he lists two reasons why. One, it has the longest description in Exodus 20. That one, and, and Deuteronomy 5. And that one makes sense. We can see that. The other reason he mentioned is that um, he says that it's mentioned more in the Bible than any of the other nine. Um, over a hundred times in the Old Testament alone. It's all from Kevin DeYoung. Now, <clears throat> I, I, I don't know about you, but thinking about that a little bit, I mean, the first command and second command are pretty pretty big and mentioned a lot in the Old Testament. Like, I'm the Lord your God, you shall have no other gods before me. I, f- I feel like that would be mentioned more than, than the Sabbath. Um, but I, I didn't, I'm a bad preacher, I didn't look that up and test, test Kevin DeYoung because I don't want to argue with Kevin DeYoung because I would probably lose that argument even if I was correct. Um, <clears throat> I think his point, though, is still valid. Keeping the Sabbath was immensely important for Israelites at, at Mount Sinai and, and continuing on through even um, the early part of the New Testament, right? And that would include who? Who? Jesus, right? Um, so it's immensely important for, for Israelites. Jesus was a Jew. He's an Israelite. Immensely important for Jesus. And so I think um, if we're wanting to follow um, our Savior better, it should be immensely important for us, right? Knowing that, I think the next logical question would be, or at least for me, why, why am I so tired and busy? Why are we all working 50 plus hours a week? Um, and I think the answer is, as a whole, Christians don't think the Sabbath is immensely important like Jesus did. I'm sure some of you might be exceptions to that, Sabbath really well. Um, but, but others of you would be like, yeah, I, I don't Sabbath well. Um, maybe because I don't know how, maybe because I don't think it's important. Um, and so I've got three reasons for us um, on why we should Sabbath. And, and then a brief word on the fifth commandment, and then we can go eat. Or maybe some of you might be inspired to continue Sabbathing the rest of the day. Um, so three reasons to Sabbath. Exodus 20, 9 through 11. Um, tells us that we Sabbath to image God. We're going to repeat these three. You are going to repeat these three, so, so learn them here. Um, Leviticus 19.3 um, tells us we should Sabbath to be sanctified. In Deuteronomy 5.12 through 15, we Sabbath because we're free. So we Sabbath, say it with me, to image God. Try, let's try again. We Sabbath, good, and we Sabbath, good, and we Sabbath, Awesome, awesome. Okay, so Genesis um, 2, 1 through 3 is where we're going to go um, for that first reason. Um, and this, that first reason is we Sabbath to image God. We Sabbath. Okay, okay, we're sticking with the first one. I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm confusing you. Um, <clears throat> Genesis 2, 1 through 3 tells us the first one. We Sabbath to image God. Awesome. We'll, we'll get it as we go. Y'all get better. I, I know it. Um, I'll, I'll get better. It's probably probably the better better way to put it. Um, <clears throat> Genesis two one through three, um, and also I don't have uh, the the scriptures on on the slides. So so open up open up your Bible, navigate on your phone. Genesis two one through three um, says this: Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. 
And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day, made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Have you thought about calendars much? Good question that I'm sure you were expecting. Um, Most of the ways that we mark time uh, are determined by scientific reasons, right? Um, Years are determined by Earth's revolution around the sun. Um, Months are largely determined by the phase of the moon, right? Um, And the days are determined by um, revolution around the Earth's axis. We all know this. But weeks, what about weeks? What are they determined by? They're determined here in Genesis 1 and 2. Um, They're determined by our creator in creation. And how does he end that week? The Sabbath, with rest. And and he ends ends that week and establishes this holy rhythm in creation. But how does does humans' week start? What's their first full day? Sabbath, right? They were created on day six. Their first full day of life is Sabbath, rest, holy to God. And that, that's where we get Jesus' uh, quote in the New Testament. Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. We Sabbath because God did, and we are his image bearers. And culture right now d- does not do this, right? Um, they, they do the opposite of the fourth and fifth command. We're going to focus on the fourth commandment right here. Um, they, they say things like always grinding. Um, the rifle mentions that... Uh, coaching track. A lot of my track athletes have the same. They say that they have the grind set. Playing the words mindset, grind set. Um, always always working, right? The newest one, I'm going to help you all out so you can uh, relate to, to the younger students. The newest one is pushing P. Okay? And that could stand for two things. It's either pushing positivity, but for our purpose this morning, it's pushing paper. Right? Making money. Um, that's from a, a rap artist that is really terrible at what he does. Um, but... <laughs> But, uh, but all the kids are saying it. So if you want to be hip, want to be cool, you can say you're pushing P. Um, and it's, it's the newest way of, of saying that, that they're never stopping. They're making more money to be more successful, to get a bigger house, to buy this, to do that, to, to provide for their family so that they're more successful. And it never stops, right? never stops. Even in our slow mountain town, we, we get this. Um, there's no time for rest for in our culture. But God established a holy rhythm of rest and creation. And so we image him by following his lead, looking different from our culture, by stopping and resting in him. And so that's the first one. We Sabbath to image God. Say it again. We Sabbath to image God. Good. And the next one, you know the next one? Do you think we can do it? We Sabbath better, better. We're hitting it. Maybe by the third one we'll, we'll have some gusto. Um, <clears throat> we Sabbath to be sanctified. Um, I asked a question earlier. Levitic, why, why, uh, why does Timothy Keller take us to Leviticus 19? Um, why is Leviticus 19.3 where it is? We get Exodus, right? It's Mount Sinai. They're coming out of Egypt. Um, and, we, and we get Deuteronomy a little bit, about to go into the land of Canaan. Um, I, think, I believe Bobby might have went over, over, you, uh, over with you um, the context of both of those. But why Leviticus 19? Turn with me there, um, and let's, let's look for ourselves. Find out for ourselves. Leviticus 19. Um, <clears throat> do you see... Uh, a phrase repeated in Leviticus 19 um, a, few fu- a few times. Anybody see, see a phrase? What, what's the phrase? I'm the Lord your God, right? It's repeated uh, about 20 times, probably a little bit over 20 times in uh, Exodus 18 and 19. 
Why is that? Why, why, why I am the Lord your God? Is it because Moses had some sort of writer's block, didn't know, didn't know transition, and so he's like, oh, I'll just put that again. That, that sounds good. No, absolutely not, right? Absolutely not. Um, God, through Moses, is trying to tell the Israelites something that we can learn from. So in, so in Exodus, just a little bit of recap, um, God is showing and telling Israel that I am your God and you are my people. You're not like the Egyptians. I'm not like their God. Um, you're freed. You serve one God who freed you. That's, that's what Exodus is about, right? And, and Leviticus is, is going a little bit more in detail of, of that. Um, telling Israel, Israel the same thing, just a, a little bit more um, of distinguishing between their gods, the gods that they're going to encounter in Canaan, um, Egyptians, the people that they're going to encounter in Canaan. Um, <clears throat> and um, so he's, uh, yeah, distinguishing, building on top of Exodus established, I'm your God, you're my people, and now we're, w- what does that mean? What does that look like? Distinguishing a little bit more. Um, <clears throat> and chapter 19 um, ends with a few commands that I think uh, kind of illustrate this point of, of what what this God that freed them really looks like. Um, <clears throat> so the end of end of chapter 19 of Leviticus says uh, one, one of the commands is care for your daughter. This is verse... Uh, um, I'm not going to go into full detail, but if you're going to read it, it's verse 29. Um, it says, care for your daughter. Don't, don't make money off, off your children. That's something that, that a lot of the nations around them would do. Um, see that uh, a little bit in Scripture. Um, then he says uh, a little bit down from verse uh, 19, no, 29, I'm sorry. I think it's 31. It says, care for the aged and honor them. Uh, again, we see this in Scripture. When, when uh, people take Israel, um, they, they lead them off into captivity. Who's left behind? older people. They're, they're, they're good for nothing, right? They're not worth anything. This is what the other nations are saying. And God's saying, that's, that's not true. You're different. I'm different. Care for the aged. Um, honor them. And then the last one that's really cool in uh, Leviticus 19 is uh, look out for the stranger and sojourner among you, he tells them. Um, and in other nations, they wouldn't even be allowed in. But, but Israel, God is saying, no, we're different. We're distinguished from them. You welcome them. You care for them out for the stranger and sojourner among you. And he gives a reason for all, all of these commands in Leviticus 18 and 19. And what's that reason? We already said it. I am the Lord your God, right? And, and so this isn't exactly like, I think it's similar, but not exactly like when you tell your kids or told your kids, hey, go, go make your bed or, or clean up dog poop. And they say, why, mom? I don't want to do that. And then what do you say? Because I said so, right? Because I said so. Um, <clears throat> or because I'm mom, I'm the parent, whatever. I, I think it's, it's part of that, what God is doing here in Leviticus 19, um, but it's so, so much more. Um, <clears throat> he's showing us, showing Israel, what holiness looks like, what glory looks like. And we see this in Exodus 34, um, 6 through 7. really helps us out a lot. Exodus 34, 6 and 7. This is uh, the most quoted verse in the Bible, by the Bible. Um, so it's, it's pretty important. Exodus 34, 6 and 7. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love to thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Three, three times it says he's forgiven the sin. But who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Does anybody know what, what Moses asked, asked for, for God to reveal this to him, and this being his name, his, 
God revealing his name. Anybody remember what Moses asked for? Show me your glory is what he asked for in Exodus 33. Um, <clears throat> show me your glory. And, and God says this. It's kind of confusing. When I think of glory of the King of kings, of the Lord of lords, the creator of the world. I think, I think like a glowing, huge person in a, in a massive gold throne that's also glowing. He's holding a scepter and a trident. And, and people are waiting on him, serving him hand and foot. And, and he doesn't even have to speak. He just thinks it and they're serving him, right? That's That's glory. That's the glory of the king of kings. But no, God, God's saying, and we see, see that kind of picture. I cartooned it a little bit. But you see that kind of picture elsewhere in scripture. But here, first time God revealed his name, first time anybody asked about his glory, he says, my glory is love, forgiveness, mercy, and grace. And because of that, you too, Israel, and us too, can, can share in that, can share in that glory because of what Leviticus 20 verse 8 says. Keep my statutes and do them. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Sanctify is the word makes holy, make you like me, is what sanctifies means. God does this to every believer. So keep my statutes and do them. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. God does this to every, he promises here, does this to every believer. And at face value, you might be tempted to think he does this by us keeping the commandments. But if, break that down a little bit, um, if we're, if we are sanctified by us keeping commandments, then we're the one sanctifying ourselves, right? Does that make sense? Everybody following that line of thought? And that's not what the verse says. The verse says, God, I, the Lord, am the one who sanctifies you. So we're not sanctified, um, we're not sanctified by how well we keep the commandments, but by believing the one who wrote them, right? We see this um, with Abraham in Genesis 15, verse 6, he says, he believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. At this point in Genesis um, Abraham hasn't even tried to keep the commandments. He, he's just barely met God. And he's credited to him as righteous. And even when he does try to keep the commandments, he doesn't do it very well. Um, but he continues to trust the one who gave the promise, who wrote the command, and he's made righteous because of it. Same is true for us. We aren't sanctified because we keep a Sabbath perfectly every Sunday. We're sanctified because we trust the one who did keep the Sabbath perfectly. And we try to follow, we strive follow him. So that's the first two reasons. Our first reason was we Sabbath to image God, right? Let's try that again. We Sabbath, image God, and then the second one that we just went over, we Sabbath to be sanctified. Awesome. That brings us to reason three, which might be on the screen, give you some help. We Sabbath because we are free. Great job. Um, Deuteronomy 5, 12 through 15, back where we started. Um, <clears throat> I'm not going to read all of uh, 12 through 15. It might be on the screen, uh, but uh, the last part, um, verse 15. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. And so here, we're given the reason that Israel keeps the Sabbath is because they're freed, right? They're freed. They were slaves. Slaves don't have the opportunity of Sabbath. Um, the Israelites in Egypt didn't Sabbath because they were enslaved, right? But God rescued them in a mighty way before the Egyptians and ultimately before the world. One of the first laws, I didn't know this um, or didn't realize this until studying for this sermon. Uh, maybe you guys are all smarter than me, so you probably knew it. Um, but <clears throat> one of the first laws given to Israel after the Exodus is to Sabbath. It's given before Mount Sinai. I, I didn't know this or didn't realize it. 
in Exodus 16, um, they have the manna from heaven, right? Bread from heaven. And they're told to gather it five days a week, just for that day. But on the sixth day, they gather it for two days because of the seventh day, the solemn day of rest. The first time they're told the Sabbath. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that you're a slave in Egypt? That's all you know. That's all you know is slavery. Harsh labor, day in, day out, long hours, hard work in the hot desert heat of Egypt. Rarely, if ever, getting a day off. That's, that's been your life for as long as you can remember. It's been your family's life. And one of the first things you're told after crossing the Red Sea um, by God helping you cross through the Red Sea, God says, don't, don't work today. Take the day off. Rest in my mighty hand that freed you. Can you imagine that? I, I, I don't think we can imagine that because it, if you're like me, I imagine how amazing and beautiful and, and, and great that would be, and it would be if done correctly, but I think we know the story that they, they didn't rest very well um, that first Sabbath. Um, <clears throat> Moses had to rebuke them because they went out the seventh day looking for bread. Like, hey, you, you were supposed to gather it yesterday. Today's a day of rest. Um, and we're not too different, right? Um, difficult for us to rest sometimes. And that brings us to Hebrews 4. Um, it gives us some hope. Um, in, in the Sabbath and resting. Hebrews 4, 1 through 10, uh, 1 through 10. Hebrews 4, 1 through 2, and 9 through 11. 1 through 2 says this, Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us, just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them, because they were not united by faith with those who listened. Verses 9 through 11. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works, as God did from his. Let us, let us therefore strive to enter that rest, so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. We find out, um, and just to give you some context of Hebrews 4, we find out in Hebrews 3 that most of Israel in the days of Moses, exchanged slavery to the Egyptians for slavery to disobedience or sin. But they were, we just read, they were given a promise, just like we are, a promise of good news to better slavery. Say, wait, 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 hold up. Slavery? Slavery, that doesn't sound, that doesn't sound like Sabbath rest to me. But what what does verse 11 say? Did you catch it? What are we supposed to do? Therefore, strive strive to enter rest? How does that make sense? <clears throat> we strive to enter this rest of God, joining God, resting from works. And strive could be translated from the Greek with labor, make haste, exert. Every time it's used in the New Testament, it's a hard effort, a really, really solid try that's being referred to. A lot of labor, a lot of exertion. Um, <clears throat> and so how does that people rest? The same went for, for Israel, right? Um, when you're used to working long hours, when, when all you've known is slavery in Egypt, you go, go and, and you're told to rest. It's difficult. It's uncomfortable. You have to strive for it, right? And the Israelites didn't do a very good job of that. And when you and I, we've been, we've been slaves to sin, slaves to disobedience, not trusting God um, to care for us, but slaves to depending on ourselves. We're told, hey, rest, rest in me. Rest in me difficult, uncomfortable. You have to just strive to believe that promise. 
that was set before us, the promise that, that we're never going to be good enough on our own. Christ had to die for you and me. In your place, you might have abundant life that you can rest in right now. All right, so that's the three reasons. You think we can say them again? I'm going to change the word Sabbath to rest. Maybe I shouldn't do this. Um, let's change the word Sabbath to rest. But we rest to image God. We rest to be sanctified by Him. And we rest... Awesome. We're sanctified, we're sanctified by Him. I added that. I shouldn't have because um, y'all were focused. Um, but um, we don't do the sanctifying right. It's not how well we keep the Sabbath. But we're sanctified by God, by trusting in Him. And then we rest because we're free from sin, free from our works of sin. And so we rest, we Sabbath in God who freed us from that slavery to sin. Now hopefully, if I did my job well, God through the Spirit has convicted you and, and me um, that we need Sabbath, that we need, all need to rest in Him. But you might have been asking the question all along, how? You've been telling us why, but, but I don't know how to do this. Do we do it like the Israelites in the Old or the beginning of the New Testament did? I don't, I don't think so. I think that would be viewing the Ten Commandments as that perimeter around our life. And we're, we, they wrote so many rules so that, oh, well, we're right up against the fence. And we're still keeping it, but just barely, and it counts. Um, I, don't, I don't think that's how we should be doing it. I think Colossians 2 um, gives us a better way of, of how to keep the Sabbath. Colossians 2, 16 and 17. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are all a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. So, it's not how do we keep the Sabbath. That's not the question. That's getting up close to the fence, right? The question is, how can I be more like Jesus? That's the target. That's the, the, the principle of the Sabbath. How, how can I get closer and closer to Jesus with my Sabbath? <clears throat> That's the question. I think the New City Catechism's answer helps us with that. Corporate worship, prayer, right? Um, and, and here's Heidelberg's um, answer to the question. Heidelberg Catechism. Um, <clears throat> it's helpful to me anyways. It says, uh, first, that the gospel ministry and education for it be maintained, and that especially on the festive day of rest, I diligently attend the assembly of God's people to learn what God's word teaches, to participate in the sacraments, to pray to God publicly, and to bring Christian offerings for the poor. Um, the second part is, is, is pretty different from the New City Catechism, and I like it a lot. That every day of my life, I rest from my evil ways. Let the Lord work in me through his spirit, another way of saying sanctification, and so begin in this life the eternal Sabbath. So, keeping the Sabbath can look different from person to person. The goal of Jesus was keeping our Sabbath, and yeah, there's, there's going to be some similarities. Corporate worship, praying, serving, um, <clears throat> but resting from our evil ways, resting from, uh, how did the New City Catechism put it? Resting from uh, routine employment um, can, can look different from person to person. For me, um, I don't do a lot of manual labor in my job. I know you probably couldn't tell, um, but um, I don't do a lot of manual labor in my job, and so I'm Friday afternoon, Saturdays, again, that's, that's different for me. Sometimes Sundays are a little stressful for me because of my role as a minister. I don't get to fully rest. Um, and so I, so I do that on Saturdays and Fridays. And, and you're welcome to do, do Sabbath whenever, however you would like. Um, <clears throat> but that, that was a side, that wasn't in my notes, sorry. Um, I, I don't do a lot of manual labor. And so sometimes if the weather's good and I, there's some yard work to do around my house, 
it's really relaxing. I really enjoy um, praying to God while I'm mowing the yard, while I'm, while I'm doing this or that house project. And some of you get enough manual labor in your jobs throughout the week, and so your Sabbath might look a little bit more of like what I do during the week. That's reading a, an awesome book, right? Or reading a commentary, spending time in the Word. Um, and I was talking to a, a good friend of mine about this sermon, um, and he shared with me that he, he doesn't like, doesn't ever go out to eat on Sunday morning um, because he's keeping somebody who's working at that restaurant from resting. And, and I'd never thought of that. Um, and I, I think that's really, really beautiful. I don't think that should be like, oh, you have to do that or you're not Sabbathing. I'm not, not saying that. He wasn't saying that. Um, but he's serving Jesus. He's getting close to that target by making that choice. And maybe you would be if you made that choice. Maybe you wouldn't. I'm just giving you some, some kind of practical examples of what Sabbath can look like and how it could dif- differ from person to person. All right. So that, that was commandment four. We're halfway done with the sermon. We got commandment five now. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <clears throat> got some of you, though. <laughs> um, <clears throat> no, I, I spent majority of the time on the Sabbath because, again, if you're anything like me, we get honor your father and mother. Like, that's, that's something we all should do. We more or less know how to do that. Um, but Sabbath, we don't get, or hopefully at this point we didn't, but now, now we do a little bit more. Um, so real quick, I'll give you some practical how to honor your father and mother. Um, if you're, um, we, we don't have any, any students in here. I was going to give you a growing. Well, you can, you can tell your students this maybe. Um, uh, <clears throat> that, that they, do, do what your parents say, right? If you're under your parents' house, do what your parents say, ideally without complaining or arguing, right? Um, that would be nice for some of you parents in here, I'm sure. Um, but if you're grown, so this applies to, to everybody in here. Grown, out of the house, um, this is, this is coming from a commentary, so some of you are like, man, I'm not going to listen to some 25, 20, how old am I? 26? Um, 26 year old, how, how to honor their, you don't know how to do that. You're not even grown, you can't say that. Um, so this is from a commentary, okay? So if that, that helps you receive it a little bit better. Um, listen to what your parents have to say and actually consider it respectfully. And then, with the wisdom that they've partially imparted to you and partially you've earned on your own, make the best decision for your family, right? And so, so when you're growing, you, you listen to your mom and dad. And do what they say. But when you're grown and have a family of your own, you should respect them, listen to them, but, but ultimately, you, you don't have to do exactly what they say, right? Um, <clears throat> and then, um, this is for everybody, um, for all of you, and then maybe you can impart this to, to your growing kids that are in a children's church. Um, show your parents more gratitude than you are right now. Um, if, if you're growing, um, again, um, I know this isn't for, for any of you, but, but don't, don't forget the good that, that your parents did. Like, you took your kids to go get donuts this morning, and they probably forgot about that real quick. Um, or, if, or if you went to Caliche's yesterday in Alamo, they forgot about it on the way home, right? Um, but, but show more gratitude than you are. Remember that. Remember that good. And then for all of us in here, if you haven't called your parents in a while and, and thanked them for all that they did, uh, I encourage you to do that today. I know that can be awkward. You can blame it on me. Hey, we had some guest preacher at Grace Harvest told me to call you. Um, thanks. Um, no, no. hopefully you do it a little bit more willingly than that, right? And I know that can be awkward sometimes. I'm not pretending that it's, that it's always easy. Um, but I encourage you to show more gratitude to your parents than you are right now. Um, that's one way we can honor them. Okay. Concluding, um, anyone ever Sabbathed 
honored their parents perfectly their whole life. Right? No, no, nobody, nobody paying can be up for that. Uh, probably can't even, if I asked it last, like last week, did you Sabbath or honor your parents? Um, you wouldn't be able to put your hand up, right? Um, so does that mean, that, like we, we found out in Hebrews 3, that we can't enter God's rest like the Israelites? No, I, I don't think so. I surely hope not. Um, but I think C.S. Lewis, he's, he's got a quote that's helpful for me um, in regard to the command, Be holy as I am holy, which is mentioned both times the Ten Commandments are. Deuteronomy 5, Exodus 20, this Be holy as I am holy is mentioned. And this is what C.S. Lewis says about it. The command, Be ye perfect, is not idealistic gas, nor is it a command to do the impossible. He is going to make us into creatures that can obey that command. The process will be long and in parts very painful, but that is what we are in for. Nothing less. He meant what he said. Beautiful quote um, from C.S. Lewis. Um, <clears throat> so Jesus trusted and rested in his Father uh, and in his Father's command of, of going to the cross. Um, he knew it would be difficult, uncomfortable. He would have to strive for it. But he ultimately rested from it, right? He said, it is finished. The atoning work is finished. He, he rested in, his, in honoring his father um, all the way to the cross. So he fulfilled both the Sabbath all through his life, but especially in his death, fulfilled the Sabbath. And he also fulfilled honoring his father and mother, again, all, all through his life, but honoring his father most notably in his death on the cross. Jesus kept the fourth and fifth commandment perfectly for us died in our place because we couldn't <clears throat> and has and is making us into creatures that can follow this command not perfectly right now but eventually eventually i'm going to pray for us and then feel free to uh take communion remembering christ and his sacrifice for us <clears throat> father god thank you uh once again for this time god thank you for uh um <clears throat> you uh showing us how to Sabbath, and we can image you to the world around us by, by resting. I thank you, God, that you sanctify us when we Sabbath and when we rest. And God, I thank you so much that you freed us from sin so that we can rest in you. Um, <clears throat> help us to do that better. Thank you that, that it's not up to us doing it, doing it perfectly. Um, but I thank you for, for Christ and him doing it perfectly in the cross, in our place. God, help us to remember that right now and to go from this um, place and, and remember it um, the rest of the week, um, this week. Um, we love you. Thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. These things we pray. Amen. If you're uh, visiting the communions in the seat in front of you, um, bread and the juice.